This week's episode is brought to you by Bureau Veritas. At Bureau Veritas, each and every member of the team is by your side to help you navigate your decarbonization journey. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to meet the technology companies that are grappling with the problem of wasted time and emissions in port. On this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about greenhouse gas emissions. And one of the ways Tradewinds ensures it's not needlessly pumping carbon into the atmosphere is by not sending me to the places we visit on this podcast. Last week, it was Singapore, and this week, we're going to Rotterdam, virtually. So join me on this journey to Europe's busiest port. The port of Rotterdam moves 13.7 million containers each year. More than 180,000 people work in the port area. This is an episode of Giant Hubs on the Free Documentaries YouTube channel. The size of the hub? 12,643 hectares. One and a half times the size of Manhattan. Why are we in Rotterdam? Because shipping has a waste problem. While everyone seems to be talking about how to get ships to run on new fuels like ammonia or methanol or swine droppings, Ships are spewing greenhouse gas emissions unnecessarily. Because of the commercial structures in this industry, vessels step on the gas even if they use less fuel and emit less carbon, if they travel at a slower speed. Then, they wait in a queue when they get to port. And there are other ways in which time is wasted unnecessarily while in port. But there are companies here in Rotterdam focused on port time optimization that are aiming to tackle that problem. Leon Gomez has lived in Rotterdam for most of his life. He has a background in technology and economics, but it wasn't until 10 years ago that he decided to take a deep dive into the maritime industry. The result of that deep dive is TechPlay, where he's chief executive and co-founder Richard Van Claveren is chief technology officer. TechPlay's software provides visibility about what's happening in ports and maps out processes that ships have to go through while there. Gomans said the goal is to expose waste and risk for companies while their ships are in port. We already did have the operational tools in, in place to eliminate it, but we really also learned last year that the industry does not really understand uh, on how much waste there is, and you, we need to make that visible. And once you've got that number, and if you make it very tangible for people on um, wasting this percentage on cost, you're wasting this percentage on time, and you can allocate the numbers to it, then people start to wake up and want to address that part, because then it's money, then it can add to the bottom line. So what are those big numbers? Gomez estimates that typically 10% to 20% of time is wasted in port. And that visibility, knowing the full path the ships take while in port, allows ship operators or terminal companies to whittle away at that number. What we are doing is actually benchmarking what is happening in each port or in each terminal. So you do have visibility not only on your key or your berth, but you do have the entire process from Anchorage pilot station to actually the departure of pilot station. And then you can do the calculation of the waste, how much waste is there. And then that is where the actual saving can be done. Once you know the very specific angles you can do with, with continuous improvements with uh, those programs, you know where to focus on and where you can get the best uh, return on spending your time. Now, there are a lot of actors involved in port calls. Ship operators, agencies, port authorities, terminal operators, cargo interests, you name it. It's hard to imagine tackling 
all the wasted time in port without collaboration, as with many of the challenges in shipping that have consequences for emissions. And Gomez told me the first step towards collaboration is that visibility. It really starts from having a shared point that's true, so a common operational picture. I think if you look at, at where there is a lot of ways at this point in time, it's still that people are doing the wrong things because they are looking at the wrong information or not not, not at the bar. So that is where already this visibility of transparency is helping uh, directly to the bottom line. Because if you know it, still most of the people want to do it most efficiently uh, and then that will already improve the bottom line. The next one is, of course, uh, uh, there are different interests. Uh, the best thing for a terminal is to have as many vessels waiting for the terminal because then you know that your turnaround time is optimal if you do not take that into the equation. But that is where the conversation is, is, is heading towards. It's like, is what is avoidable and how can we actually in a conversation address these issues? And if you want to have a good conversation, you need to have good data, you need to have the insights on what is it. So that's again, like, what is the problem that we're looking at and what are the different angles? Without that data, he told me, you can have a nice conversation about the problem, but it won't go anywhere. Another company that's tackling port time optimization is Port Exchange. This company actually started in the port of Rotterdam. It began as Pronto, a collaborative vessel and terminal planning platform that the port started using in 2018 before it decided to make it available to ports around the world to help reduce emissions. With backing from energy giant Shell and container shipping titan AP Moller Maersk. And what I find interesting about Port Exchange's approach is that it has collaboration as a starting point. For example, when it launched a trial of its platform in Houston, it started with 20 companies and organizations in the chemical shipping cluster, including shipping lines, agents, and the Port Authority. Abhishek Nair, a former ship's master who has maritime in his veins, is director of business development at Port Exchange. Nair told me that as the company started talking with ports around the world, it was surprised to find even those that take time to do an inventory of their greenhouse gas footprint are working with information that's 12 months old by the time they carried out. This information and these calculations can be done practically in real time. And this can be done at the click of a button. You don't have to be spending, you know, thousands or let's say hundreds of thousands of dollars to just to make an, an emissions inventory because this is information that's already out there. You just need to know how to tap into information. So Port Exchange's Emissions Insider is doing just that, providing ports with real-time emissions tracking and analysis that allows them to figure out what steps will actually reduce their greenhouse gas footprint. But the company also has developed an optimization tool that allows vessel and terminal operators to streamline the port call process. That's where that collaboration-focused approach comes in. Nair told me that the maritime sector has grown to accept that there are going to be delays in the complex processes involved in port calls. But that wastes time, emissions, and let's face it, money. We accept that delays are, are a part and parcel of the game. And similarly, the, the nature of the business is such, because you're having so many different parties that are involved in a, in a particular port call, there has to be these information flows between different, different parties. And with every information exchange between two different parties, uh, there's a transaction cost, and that kind of cost a delay in, in operation. And that delay in operation, it's not just time. You're also talking about, about, about money that somebody down the line is paying. And, and that also uh, translates down to, you know, inefficient operations and, and emissions that don't need out there. You're putting emissions that, that were just not needed. And that was actually pretty much how we started off. When we started off Port Exchange, we, we came up with our flagship product, the Port Exchange Synchronizer, which is about connecting different things in the port 
of one single platform sharing data, operational data, operationally relevant data in real time with each other. So then, so different parties could then base their decision making on real time information from, from somebody else coming in from, from a different party. Nair told me that the company realized, as it was expanding to ports around the world, that a one product fits all approach doesn't work. Each board has a different way of working, so Port Exchange takes what Nair described as a people-led approach. Every rollout of the port optimization product is a change management exercise, and that requires a broad base of participants. There are so many different paths, you know, so if we are looking to optimize a particular port call, we cannot say the, the shipping line by themselves can, can do this. If you go to the terminals and they will say, hey, you know, this part is, is outside my ambit of operation. This is control agent. And if I ask the agent, they would say, hey, you know, this part is not controlled by me. It's the, it's the shipping line who would decide this. So, so that is why we, we said, yeah, fine. I mean, to, to drive change, we would have to create some kind of a critical mass. And for that, we would need collaboration from different parties. It cannot be done by just one single party unilateral. It has to be a, a multilateral approach. And what each organization gets from, from a tool like this is different. The result? By streamlining port calls, Port Exchange has found an 8% to 11% improvement, that is, an estimated emissions reduction of up to 11%. Shipping's hurry up and wait problem, which results in unnecessary shipping emissions, is one in which ports are only a part, and just-in-time arrival is a widely accepted way of cutting emissions and shipping. But it's elusive because of the way shipping contracts are written to encourage arriving as soon as possible and then waiting in port queues. But Nair said port time optimization platforms can help facilitate just-in-time arrival with virtual arrival times. Now, even if you look at, at the multiple virtual arrival clauses that are, that are out there in, uh, in just as, as template clauses for, for contractual agreements, you would always have a need to monitor a third party who can monitor when the vessel has passed a particular point, when is it? When are you going to take the, the deemed arrival, as you would say? Uh, so, and for that, you need technology, and and that is what you know. We, we say we always tell you know anybody that we speak with that we are fully ready for for virtual arrival or just in time arrival. So it it's only now for the industry to start making use of it. He acknowledged that there are still other challenges, but digital technology provides a starting point. Here is more on the environment and the business of the ocean. The Green Seas newsletter explored new data on vessels speeding in zones designed to protect the North Atlantic right whale, which is considered one of the world's most endangered whale species. Environmental group Oceana estimates that 84% of vessels are violating speed limits in zones where they're required, while the U.S. government claims there's a high level of compliance with the 10-knot limit. But no matter how you look at the data, some ships are breaking the rules and facing minimal penalties for doing so. Get the newsletter in your inbox by signing up at tinyurl.com slash greenseas. My colleague Lucy Hine reported that Japan's Mitsui OSK lines and partners have received approval in principle for a hydrogen-fueled multi-purpose vessel. Classification Society Class NK gave the initial nod for the vessel concept, included shipbuilders Onomichi Dockyard and Kawasaki Heavy Industry, as well as Japan Engine Corporation. Read this story and more at tradewindsnews.com. Recharge has reported that New York has announced 4 gigawatts of offshore wind awards to three developers. The awards are a record procurement for offshore wind energy by a single state, but it comes at a time when other projects are facing economic headwinds. Read this story and more at rechargenews.com. 
Music for this episode is by Alexei Anisimov from Toontank. <laughs>